start, as you guys know, or most of you probably know, today is Vision Sunday, um, but newsflash, this week is, is Vision Sunday, and so is next week, uh, and I'll explain why. Um, so, Bethany and I have both separately been working on what God was preparing our hearts to, to share with you guys this morning, and hadn't really talked about that all week, and then yesterday morning, we kind of started discussing it a little bit, and, and I just want to say, like, there's this beautiful blending of the message that he has for us. And so we continued to independently work on those things yesterday. And then yesterday evening, I said, hey, by the way, about how long do you expect that you'll be able to talk? She's like, I don't know. Um, it's about 2,400 words. Well, I know because I do this every week. I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's about a half an hour. Okay. Uh, she's like, well, how long are you going to speak? About a half an hour. So for your benefit and for mine and for hers, we're going to split that into two weeks. So she's going to share today, uh, and then I'm going to share next week. And I'm, I'm excited for a couple of things. One, like the worship and the testimony and this morning, all of that is perfectly in line with what God has been speaking to Bethany and what he's been speaking to me. Uh, and I want to preface all of this with, with a couple of things. Number one, um, anytime the pastor's wife gets up to talk, people are just like, oh, it's just the pastor's wife. But I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about my wife for just a moment, because some of you know this and some of you don't. She went to college for this. Her whole life, she's been perfecting this craft that we call youth ministry and children's ministry. And so as she begins to speak today, I, I want you to know from my heart as her husband, as her pastor, as her best friend, the things that she's going to share today are not things that I've like implanted in her and said, hey, I want you to say these things. This is the heart of a woman who knows the Lord well and knows how to hear his voice, sharing the things that God is speaking to her. Uh, and I'm excited for all of us to get to hear that. I've read through this a couple of times uh, last night and this morning to kind of help her get prepared. And God's got some amazing things he's going to say. The other thing I want to share to kind of lead into what she's going to talk about today. This has been kind of an interesting season for me personally because it's been Christmas and New Year and sprinkled in there has been a number of funerals. And in my mind, that makes me think about the gospel and it makes me think about my own life and what God has called me to do uh, as a believer. And it makes me, as we all do this time of year, to look at this new year and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is my legacy going to be when, when I'm gone? How are people going to remember me? What will my name mean? And the things that we do here as a church body, for me, is on the top of that list. That's what I want people to remember. And I know that that's true for probably most of you in this room. And so today, as she's sharing, I, I, I challenge you to think about the things that God has put on her heart that she's sharing with us and ask yourself, what does this mean for me personally? And what does this mean as my part in the body of Christ and the gathering place west that God's called you to? So as she shared, keep those things in mind today. And so Bethany, come on up. And I'm going to pray as she's coming up, uh, and then we'll let her speak. Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm so thankful for the fact that we can hear you speak. Just like you reminded us this morning through the kids' uh, video and the scripture memory, God, we can do all things through you who gives us strength. Father, I ask that this morning as Bethany comes and shares uh, her heart, uh, the, and the things that you've laid on that for the ministry of the children and the youth and young adults here at the Gathering Place West. Lord, I ask that your spirit would flow through her and that it wouldn't be her words, her ideas that we hear, Father, but it would be your voice, your vision for what the next gen ministry is going to look for, like for us over the next year. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, um, so yeah, so he said I went to, to college, but not for public speaking. Um, so that, that is not my um, strong point here. Um, 
No, the, the, the only thing is, is, yeah, the children's and youth ministry and all of that. So bear with me on the public speaking part of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I uh, was prepping, you know, writing down all the things that God w- was sharing with me. And, um, yeah, we realized it was really long. And I was like, well, I could just share only this part, you know, just to cut it down for time reasons. And, and Will looked over it and was like, no, actually, like, I think you should share all of it. Um, and so that, that's, that's why you're stuck with me today. So, um, so here we go. Um, at the beginning of last year, I shared with you Nehemiah chapter 3. God had called Nehemiah to leading his people in rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. But the struggle was that that was a huge task for them. But God gave them each other as their, their resources. And so as they each got to work rebuilding their portion of the wall, they were able to accomplish what God had called them to do. And so my challenge for us last year was for each of us to step into what God had set out for us to do. And like the saying, many hands make light work, each of us did step up and we did step into that calling and the work that God had set out for us was accomplished. So I just want to take a minute to celebrate what God did this past year. Every single person in this room contributed in some way. Um, Ben, I got a couple of slides to go. So for the entire year, all of you have contributed financially to feeding our kids and teens on Wednesday nights. You've paid for curriculum and resources so that the gospel could be more easily shared. And many of you volunteered to teach or to be leaders or to prepare meals um, within our Wednesday night and within our Sunday morning ministries. In April, you hosted an egg hunt for the kids and their parents. Um, It had rained and we were unable to have it outside, so you hid eggs within the sanctuary, and all of our families had a wonderful time hearing the gospel and celebrating Christ's resurrection. And then in June, you hosted our annual Juneteenth party. You passed out snow cones and nachos until bellies and hearts were full. You stayed late into the evening playing badminton and other games with families in our neighborhood. And one family particularly thanked us for the badminton. That's why I brought that one up. The badminton was a big hit, apparently. And then at the end, um, a young man came back that evening and thanked us for the work that we were doing in our neighborhood. And then in July... Um, Hey, Craig Austin, I stole that picture from your Facebook. (laughs) It was a great one. Um, In July, you hosted multiple teams from other churches who came to work on our buildings. And you can see them there. Um, They put up basketball goals for our community this year. Those two basketball goals that are outside were put up by um, teams of teenagers from other churches who came in to work within our community. And you provided the materials that they needed to do the repairs that we needed in in our buildings. And lives were changed as teens used their gifts, and some of them even considered callings into missions and ministry. Thank you, Juan Jose, for taking that picture. Um, So two different youth ministers asked us if they could bring teams back to our church in the future. And I don't know if that'll ever get to happen, but regardless, they saw what God has called us to here, and they wanted their teenagers to be influenced by that. And that is big. 
And then in August, you gave Bibles to Eli and Heidi, and you welcomed them into the entirety of our worship services as they graduated out of the kids' classroom. That's Heidi's Bible. And then Eli got the, a green one. And then you also provided gifts, and you prayed over all of our kids and teens who were headed back to school. And then in October, you hosted Trunk or Treat for the neighborhood. You gave a record amount of candy to be passed out this year. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Um, you, you guys really um, helped chip in on the candy part. And then we had several new families come to meet us during that event. And then we were thrilled to have families from our neighborhood come join us in passing out candy. And that was a blessing to be able to serve alongside one another, to be able to serve the kids in our neighborhood. And then in November... You sent a group of teens to the state youth evangelism celebration. They worshiped together, and they learned how to share the gospel with their friends. That's big. Then finally, in December, you were Christ's light in the neighborhood as you hosted our annual Christmas party. You decorated the building inside and out for Christmas you meticulously built tiny gingerbread houses in record time. I don't know, like that must have been God because usually it takes us hours and hours and hours to build those gingerbread houses and we were done within just a couple of hours. So I thank God for that one. Um, but you meticulously built these tiny gingerbread houses for every single person who would come, not just the kids, but also their parents. And then you provided a meal for everyone who was there. And we had several families tell us that they look forward to it every year, and we had several new families come as well. And it was amazing to see all of the new families, all of the new parents there. We had um, a lot of years in, in our past years, you know, it's taken us a few years to get this going. Um, we've had a lot of kids show up, but not necessarily their parents. But this year we had a record number of parents also come with their kids, and that was awesome. And the Christmas story was told, and the gospel was shared, and families who had come in the past also invited their relatives. And that tells you a lot about the trust that we're building in our neighborhood here, for people to trust us enough to send their friends and their family. So thank you. Thank you for stepping into God's calling for each one of us this past year. Each of you truly contributed to the work that God had called our church to for 2023. Thank you so much. There's not a single person in this room um, who, who didn't contribute in some kind of way. And if you are, are new or visiting, um, know that you are contributing right now by gifting us with your presence. And so we thank you so much for being here. So I want to shift gears for a while and talk about what God has for our kids and teens on Sunday mornings. As our kids grow up in our ministry, in our church, we want them to know these four truths. First of all, God loves me, and God wants to spend time with me. God gave me gifts, and he gave me value, and my family and my church can help me to grow. And for our teens, we have some additional things, but all of it is rooted in these truths. And everything that we do on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights or any other time, all of that tithes back to these things. Nothing is without purpose. Here at TGP West, we feel compelled by God to incorporate our kids into our corporate worship services. Statistics have proven that kids are not, that if kids are not 
actively involved in the corporate worship of the church, they are less likely to involve themselves in a church body when they grow up. Let me say that again. It's up there. If kids are not actively involved in the corporate worship of the church, they are less likely to involve themselves in a church body when they grow up. And so the, the reason for it is this. If, if we were to only provide separate programming for kids that never incorporates them into the rest of the life of the church, they'll never fully experience what it's like to be a part of a church body. And they won't have a vision for what their life would look like as an adult in a church body. In ministry terms, we call this a silo, you know, like a grain silo that farmers have. When we separate kids off from the adult body of the church, we are in essence putting them in a silo like a farmer puts each type of grain in a separate silo to keep it from getting mixed with the other types of grain. And so if we do that, there becomes this disconnect that increases as they continue to get older. And as kids get older and they start outgrowing the program that separates them off from the rest of the body, then the church becomes foreign to them. And we don't want them to do that. We don't want them to uh, feel like church itself is foreign to them, that uh, when they grow up and become older uh, teens, young adults, and, and older adults, that, they, um, that God and the church don't feel foreign to, foreign to them, that they feel uh, welcome and loved and feel this desire to be a part of the body of Christ. So we've designed our Sunday worship services with this in mind. First of all, we start each service with a countdown from the kids' series. It's a subtle way that we remind the adults that the service is not just for them. And that's our, our, um, our countdown for, for this series. And so it's a subtle way that we remind the adults that the service is not just for them. And it's a subtle way that we tell the kids, hey, this service includes you too. It's a tiny little thing that we do, but we're planting seeds. And then next we have our kids' memory verse. The memory verse goes along with what the kids are learning each month. That's our memory verse for this, this series, this month. But here's the thing. As adults, we haven't outgrown memorizing scripture. That Memorizing scripture is something that edifies the entire body. Memorizing scripture helps all of us grow spiritually. So as adults, we're allowing the kids to see us learning along with them. And we're modeling that hiding God's word in our hearts doesn't end with childhood. It's a lifelong part of our spiritual journey. Another element that we have in our service is the kids' Bible story video. In our church, kids start staying in the service at third grade. They go to the classroom, pre-K through second grade. But we still want them to get a chance to learn from the Bible story as well. And I find it really interesting that oftentimes, as adults, we're learning from the Bible story too. I think that maybe Lizzie said something about that this morning. Yeah, um, like, like this morning's story about listening to God's voice, I felt like that was particularly fitting for us because it was a great reminder to always listen to God's voice in determining what he wants us to do. And that's exactly what we're doing today. We are asking God, what do you want us to do? And then we're saying, God, I think this is what you're, you're speaking to us, and this is what we're going to do for the rest of the year. And so it is a great, it, our kid's story was a great reminder for us also as adults to listen to God's voice. 
And then finally, we have our kids' worship song of the month. I'm going to spend just a minute on this one. The message of this song coincides with what the kids are learning for the month. It's an opportunity for the kids and adults to put to heart what they've learned through the Bible stories and the memory verse, and then to sing it back to God in worship. But this song is a song that's particularly interactive. We do motions, we use instruments, we clap our hands. Lizzie was mentioning some of that earlier. And sometimes, like this month, the kids will lead up front. And the thing is, kids tend to worship a little bit differently than adults do. Their brains are at different stages from ours. And for many kids, they need a hands-on way to interact with what they're singing. They need to move and wiggle and interact with the song more than just standing still and, and stoic and singing. And when kids interact with the song, it takes the message of the song from something intangible to something concrete. It allows their brains to fully process what they're singing. Adults, we don't necessarily need to do things like that in worship in order to process what they're singing. I can tell you that as I was worshiping this morning, about half the time I couldn't even sing the words. I'm just listening to God and processing all of the things that he's telling me through the message of the song. And oftentimes, at the most, you might see adults raising their hands in worship and clapping. In some churches, adults dance. Um, I'm not sure that I've ever seen that here in this church, but... um, But I want you to remember that the disconnect, remember the disconnect? Sorry, Kara just went dancing through the hallway. Yay! Oh, she was dancing. She was dancing because I just mentioned uh, adults dancing in church. Okay, so remember the disconnect that I talked about earlier. Um, That disconnect happens when kids' programming is siloed and separated off from the adult body. The result is that When they grow older, they feel disconnected from the corporate church, and they feel disconnected from God. And so this is where we fight the disconnect. When kids see adults worshiping in a way that kids have trouble naturally doing, standing still and stoic and just singing, which is fine, but when kids only see that in adults, it gives them this subtle message that their way, kids' ways, of worshiping are somehow wrong or at the very least immature. But we know that this isn't true. Mark 10, 14 through 15 says this. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. They were keeping children from coming to him. So when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So the notion that kids' God-created tendency to move and wiggle and be active in worship is somehow wrong or doesn't belong in corporate worship is a lie that Satan plants in their minds early in life. And then Satan continues to grow that lie and tell us throughout our lives things like, you don't fit in with this church. You don't belong here. They are different from you. And so one way that we fight that in our children is by participating in the kids' monthly worship song. So grown-ups, we choose to do what we what may feel awkward for us for the sake of the younger members of our body. We choose to do what may feel awkward for us for the sake of the younger members of our body. And 
I used those words purposefully, the younger members of our body, not for the sake of our kids. No, I want all of us adults to remember um, that all of the kids in our church are a part of our body, not just kids who aren't our kids. All of our kids are a part of us. They are the younger members of our church body. So think of it like this. When kids were first learning basic math, like addition or subtraction, or even just counting, teachers don't expect the kids to grasp the concept only within their own minds. Teachers make it concrete. They give kids physical ways to interact with the numbers. They give them things like tiny cubes or beans to physically move and manipulate so that the numbers are no longer intangible things that are hard to grasp, but they become literal and concrete and easier for the kids to understand and learn. I grabbed a couple from my house this morning. Um, my kids grew up with these little little counters. Um, some of us may have grown up with like our teacher using beans at the front of the classroom. Um, but I want you to think about when you learned. Did you count on your fingers? I did, and I still sometimes do. When I'm trying to add things up or or remember things, I I put it on my finger, that mental thought, I put it on my finger. And that's a perfect example of how sometimes we need to use our whole selves to be able to process the things that God tells us. And so I bet you're wondering, But what about the kids, and sometimes adults, who don't move or sing with the music? Are they not learning or understanding the message of the song? Well, sometimes, sure. But sometimes, they are processing all of it visually. So they're watching Miss Kara do the motions and all of the other kids, and they're watching Alex and Lizzie and all the adults around them, And it's a whole lot to process all at once and to also think about what they're doing with their own bodies. So for some of our kids, they're doing the same thing that a kid is doing when that kid is watching the teacher at the front of the classroom moving around the little cubes or the beans. That kid is still learning and processing, so don't count them out. And I said a key word just a second ago, teacher, adults, all of us, as members of this church body, are the teachers for the children among us. And we teach by our example. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, with all, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God was giving these instructions to the entire nation of Israel here, not only to the parents. So each week that we enter into corporate worship, we are teaching by example. So adults, this means that we participate in the kids' worship song along with the kids. And we participate in the memory verse. And we, part- we watch the kids' uh, uh, Bible story video. We participate in all of that along with our kids. And we participate in the rest of corporate worship in the ways in which we feel led to do so. So if that's clapping or raising your hands in worship, or if you need to be silent and process what God is saying to you, do that. And as we do so, as we all worship in all of the different ways, 
that God is having us worship in that moment. We are imparting on the younger generations a knowledge of true worship. And that brings me to the final thing that God has laid on my heart for this year. I'm going to completely shift gears here. So, as Glenn used to say, sit up in your spirit. Y'all remember him saying that? If if you've been around. (laughs) Okay. Um, Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35. And we're going to go a little ways into chapter 10. So I'll give you a minute to, um, to find that with your, your Bible or your phone or tablet, whatever it is that you use. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then moving on to chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. As As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. God has made it clear that this is a passage that he wants us to focus on for this next year, particularly in our prayers. I want to start with verse 36. So Matthew 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The crowd that we're called to in this body is the neighborhood that's around us. Now, I will say that we are also all individually called to the crowds that are around us elsewhere in our lives, but um, what I'm dealing with this morning is us corporately as a body. What we are called to is the neighborhood around us. And it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The New Living Translation uses the word confused instead of harassed. But the Greek word here is eskilmenoi, which means troubled, bothered, annoyed, or harassed, or to trouble someone. And I like the combination of these words because it points out um, the it points out to us the continual misleading of Satan. He constantly pesters us with misleading information. It's a constant, "Hey, look over here. Hey, come this way. Hey, go that way. Hey, hey, hey." It's a constant pestering. 
So I like that combination of those, of those words, confused and harassed. It's a constant confusion, a constant misleading. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit, our guide, our shepherd, then that cycle, that, that pestering is never ending. And there are so many people in our neighborhood who don't know Christ. They are harassed or pestered daily by Satan. They are misled daily by Satan. And if they don't have Christ as their shepherd, they are left helpless. <laughs> they are pesteringly, I don't even know if that is a word, but pesteringly misled. They are pesteringly misled daily by Satan. And if they don't have Christ as their shepherd, they don't have that defense, that guide. They are left alone and helpless. And when Jesus saw this happening to the people around him, it broke his heart. And I want to point out one more Greek word here because it changes the meaning when you see it in the original language. It said, he had compassion on them. The word for compassion is an even longer word than the last one. Um, it's esplanchniste. Esplanchniste. It means to be deeply moved, but it has connotations of your bowels. So in today's terms, it would mean the same thing as us saying something like, he was shaken to the core, or he was gut-wrenched. Doesn't that have so much more depth in today's English language than just saying compassion? When we tend to think, oh, we have compassion on them, it feels more like, oh, we feel sorry for you. That's, that's not what this means here. Jesus was gut-wrenched for the lost around him. He was shaken to his core. And he was gut-wrenched because they were lost and Satan would not leave them alone. Satan continually harassed and misled them, pestered them. And God wants us to be gut-wrenched over the lost around us. He wants us to be shaken to the core over the fact that there are lost people living around us in this neighborhood right now. Bob Pierce, the founder of both World Vision and Samaritan's Purse, wrote this well-known prayer. He said, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. The heart of God is broken for the people who live around us. So let's begin 2024 with prayer that our hearts will be broken for the things that break the heart of God. Move on to Matthew, uh, still chapter 9, look at verse 37 to 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is a big one for me. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We are such a tiny church, and we have a huge calling. And I'm not talking about just kids and teens. In terms of families, we are outnumbered 10 to 1 here. And honestly, that was some really quick math. It probably is a lot bigger. Um, there are approximately 100 homes just in this immediate neighborhood. And there are, what, 10 homes in the church, I'm 10 families, um, it, it's, it's probably even bigger. So this is a huge calling that God has, has brought us to. Our manpower and our resources are so small compared to 
this task that God has called us to. But don't get me wrong, God can and has done some big things with this tiny church. But what he's calling us to do now is to begin praying for more workers. Not warm bodies, but fellow servants of Christ. God's not asking us to pray for numbers. Please don't hear that. He's not looking for us to fill up a building full of warm bodies and to have all of these chairs full so that we can say, look, God, look what we did for you. Verse 38 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God simply wants us to pray to him as the Lord of all of this, as the Lord of this church, as the Lord of this neighborhood. God wants us to pray to him to send his workers into his harvest field. So something of interest that has happened over the last six months is that a lot of the families um, that had kids and teens have moved out of the neighborhood. And so that's been a really odd season for us because we're used to having so many more kids and teens, especially on Wednesday nights. But let me insert a little side note here and say that um, because this neighborhood is 99% rental properties, those numbers will not all the, always stay the same. There are only two homes here that are owned uh, outright by someone. All the rest are rental properties, and so those numbers will not always stay the same. But anyway, because we've had smaller numbers on Wednesday nights lately, I started asking God, does he want us to reach out to other neighborhoods outside of this one? Because I was like, God, we have all of these volunteers here, and we used to have all of these kids, and we had our hands so full. And now, for these last six months, we've had just a few kids and teens. Like, God, do you want us to start reaching out elsewhere? Um, And so that's something I had been asking God about. We have long felt like God has been clear in telling us to only do outreach within this neighborhood But just because God says something once doesn't mean that he wants us to do it forever. So I started asking God, is that season ending? Do you want us to reach outside of this immediate neighborhood? But God led me to this very next passage in chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. God has clearly confirmed that our season of only ministering within this neighborhood is not over. Is not over. Jesus said, don't go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now we know from scripture, later scripture, that later God did tell the apostles to go to the Gentiles and Samaritans. But in that moment right then, Jesus was telling the 12 that for that time, they were to go amongst the people that they were already around on a regular basis. And this is what he's telling us for this time. He's placed us amongst lost and hurting, harassed, as the NIV puts it. He's placed us among lost and hurting and harassed people all around us. 
and we're to spend this next year ministering to them and letting them know that there is a good God who loves them and knows them and wants them to know him. And there are certainly other fields that need harvesting all around Alexandria and Pineville, but this is the field that God has placed us in, this harvest field right here. This is where God has placed us, and this is the harvest that he's called us to. But most importantly, we are to ask God to send us fellow workers to help with this harvest, to help spread the gospel right here in this neighborhood. So to sum it all up for you, and I'm going to say these out of order because I want to stress the importance of the last one. So one, in worship, we're going to continue to be mindful of the younger members of our congregation. Two, we're going to continue to spread the gospel to the lost right here around us. So, three, ask God to break your heart for what breaks his, particularly in this neighborhood. Ask God to shake you to your core for the things that shake him to the core. And ask God, number four, ask God as the Lord of the harvest to send workers Because the harvest that we've been called to is so plentiful, but we are so few. That's the last one. Please please hear that. We are not called to go get warm bodies and fill these seats up with numbers. We are called to ask God to send workers for this harvest that he has planned. Bow with me in prayer.